Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Why We Heal, the show where we are breaking down healing from the energetic, spiritual, and other ways of healing so that you have an access point to access what is healing for you, to receive it, to step forward, and to progress and evolve in your life and in your joy. And today we are welcoming Laura Persichetti after we have just closed extra tabs on our laptops to have good. <laughs> A good quality recording for you, uh, who's a registered psychotherapist, an author, and a very, very, very dear friend of many, many, many years on this path of light, healing, and service. So Laura, thanks so much for joining us today and sharing your wisdom, your experience, and the depth of healing that you have not only taken on for yourself, but that you help others to see. <laughs> My pleasure. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. I've been looking forward to this. I know. It's going to be a good chat. You guys, Laura, one of the reasons why I wanted to have Laura on, not only because we have uh, such a rich history and, you know, the sense of when we started doing this work, how we started doing it, and just our similar paths, but also Laura works with lots of different uh, people. So she's worked with children. She's worked with adults. She works, you know, specifically with mothers at some point. Um, during COVID, she did all kinds of online outreach and so much, so many offerings, like nonstop. It was really, really wonderful. And so I really wanted to talk to Laura about some similarities in healing and what she's seen on the journey just for humanity. You know, because sometimes we tend to think about things ourselves in particular or people like us, but there's some common threads in humanity that, you know, as humans, we all need. So we're going to get into that. We're going to get into some specifics about children, and then we're going to see where everything takes us, because in life, who knows where you're going to go. (laughs) We're going to start this show off with our first question. So Laura, what in your perspective is healing? Well, in my perspective, healing is a journey. It is not a one-stop shop. It is something that unfolds because there are so many layers to healing. You know, I was thinking with physical healing, like if I if I cut myself and I just walked around and there's got blood gushing from my arm, you know, people would be like, what are you doing? Like you need to do something about that. And you know, we 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 heal, we cover it, we put stuff on it, band-aid, we let then it scabs and then you know you get that itchy feeling, you 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 open it up again and like you go through a whole process with the physical. But then there's mental, emotional, spiritual healing. And when you look at the human bodies and experience from a whole, looking at healing from all of those different layers, I think is really important. Like a lot of times um, people will come across healing often through the physical, I find, Um, you know, whether it's an illness of some sorts, and understand, oh, there, there's actually deeper layers to physical illness, the emotional layers to that. Or maybe it's through a trauma where that opens up a conversation around where, where's, where's this rooting from? So I think healing is something that we have to understand is part of the whole human journey. It's not like you just go to one professional, oh, I, I went to, got, I got my surgery and I, it's all done. Or I went and, you know, I went to my therapist and it's all done. It's like, there's so many layers to it. And if you truly want to heal and learn who you are, 
then it's about committing to that journey and enjoying the journey rather than getting attached to a destination of being healed that you actually just enjoy the healing journey and how it unfolds with time as you better understand yourself yeah so that's that's what i think healing is in a nutshell I love that. You know, you must have heard so many answers. Like, has your answer to that evolved? My answer to it? Hmm. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. My answer to it hasn't evolved. Um, but I do enjoy hearing other people's perspectives on it because there's always a through line. You know, everyone t looks at healing from, I mean, obviously from their perspective, part of the point of the question, but in the end, it still comes down to um, shifting something, changing something. And so then the question becomes, what is it that that person wants to change? Mm. Is it their health? Is it their mental state? Is it their emotions? Is it their feeling inside of themselves, you know, from sadness to joy, for example? Or do they want to change? Um, their perception of life itself. You know, when people come in and they say, I just know there's more, you know, they want to change that feeling into something else. So maybe in a way everyone's looking for a method. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that entry point and the way that it happens change is different, you know, because we're all unique individuals at different points in our lives and our journeys. But at the root of it, it's that something is ready to be changed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and from that perspective, perhaps some people aren't even referencing their experience as a healing. Exactly, yeah. I did talk about that in a previous one, how there's macro and micro moments of healing, and how, you know, we can receive a healing session or go through a healing process with, you know, someone facilitating it, like yourself or myself, but then when that person walks out of the door, and every new decision they make, everything that then aligns with that new sense of being, it's like a micro moment of hmm. So, yeah. And it really is a journey. I was talking to somebody about a uh, client who came in last night because um, I think they're going to be starting a King Solomon healing series. And, you know, part of their whole thing was I understand that it's not a one time thing. Like, mm -hmm. I am okay with committing to a journey and a process. And you're totally right. It doesn't, have, you know, it's not, we get attached to so much of the specifics about the process, you know, like, like, I just want to be able to enjoy my life and I should be fine the way that I am. And the reality is we really aren't, but there's a concept in society that says, oh, if something's wrong, just go and fix it and then go live your life normally, how you would. So maybe it's also changing that concept of what is normal hmm. and that taking care of ourselves and knowing what ourselves really are is, what's the proper way to say that? <laughs> knowing what the self is, you know, also leads us to pay attention to it and take care of it because maybe that's another way of talking about healing like it's taking care of my spiritual self it's taking care of my emotional health yeah. mm -hmm. what are some of the things that you see because you know i know I, I started out telling you guys that laura is a registered psychotherapist and she's worked with you know, all kinds of different demographics and so what are some of the things that you see um you know maybe in working with because i remember you working at <laughs> I want to talk more about, you know, you're working with children, right? So we're talking about being on a journey of healing. And oftentimes, the journey starts way before we realize it. 
you know, I was thinking about this this morning because you know, I've long time suffered with digestive issues and things like that. And when I really look back, I can trace it back to when I was 13 years old. And so often we don't realize that when we're young, it's the small things that we do that are creating impacts that we feel when we're older. And so for me, I'm talking about like my physical healing, which you mentioned, which was the catalyst 100% for me going into energetic healing. But it's the same with spiritual, emotional, mental, psycho, psychological things. And so maybe, you know, we can kind of get into your experiences working with children and seeing, you know, some things that are going on and how that then leads into adulthood and the traumas and the wounds and patterns we're trying to then fix, thinking that they're new, but they're not. I think everything in our experiences matters. You know, from a personal perspective, working with uh, child psychotherapy and studying significantly in that area seems disconnected to what I'm doing now from an outside perspective. But it has everything to do with supporting everything that I do now. Like, the more I studied, child psychology and child development and those early years and how important those early years are, the more I understood the adults that I was working with, the more I understood the root causes to a lot of issues, and the more I understood how to better understand people at a whole. They come in maybe, oh, I'm dealing with this recent breakup or this recent um, loss or this recent change, but we don't realize that if we don't clean up those early years and our relationship to our early development, that we just keep recreating patterns over and over and over again. So to me, you know, you ask this question, what are some themes? And I think at the end of the day, our relationship to love is a huge theme. As humans, we cannot survive without another human being. We can't survive without another human being. That, and so that connection to another human being is so important. It's survival. So how we maintain that connection in those early years to be fed, held, heard, supported, and just overall survive matters because it develops all these patterns that become the foundation to our relationships and how we operate in the world. So if, if, if it's a healthy attachment where, you know, um, and I, I'll say caregiver, but that could be that can be mother, father, but that could also be maybe the the nurse at an adoption, or it could be a grandparent. So you know, I it's the the that early connection of what do I need to do to maintain being fed. So often uh, an infant will cry, and then that will indicate that they need something. And when it's an infant, it's kind of like you go through the list. It's like, okay, they need to eat. They need to be changed. They need to sleep. They need to be burped. You kind of just go through the cycle and then hope that you catch one of them because you don't know. You can't talk to the infant. Um, then, of course, if, if you're doing all those things and you're still an issue, like then you're like, you got to go to the medical doctor. There must be something, right? Um, but there's cues that are happening even before that cry. And when the caregiver is super attentive and paying attention to those cues, the child doesn't necessarily need to cry. Now, in you know, child psychology, if an infant isn't crying at all, that's also another red flag because sometimes when an infant's always crying and they don't get their needs met, they learn that they don't need to cry. You know, so that's usually a red flag as like, okay, is there some neglect going on in this situation? Um, but to be able to 
understand those that early relationship. And the reality is no caregiver can meet every single need. That's so important. No caregiver. And to have an assumption or an expectation, whether within yourself as a parent or within yourself looking to your parents, like you absolutely have to drop that because it's unrealistic for another human being to meet every single need of another human being. When you think about yourself and meeting your own needs, like think about how much work that is. Like you you can barely do that, let alone you have a a parent, a caregiver who's thinking about the household, the bills, the, the you as an infant, plus maybe there's other siblings, plus there's work, plus there's relationships, plus there's everything else going on in that individual's life and then meeting all the needs of that infant. It's impossible. So somewhere something will have fallen short. And in that moment where, you know, a need, there's a need and it's not being met. That's when, you know, certain belief systems occur. That's when certain patterns start to occur. And that's when our relationship with um, loving connection begins to form early, 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 like within the first three months, within the first six, like early, 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 then year, second year, third year, your whole subconscious from a psychological perspective is created in the first seven years of your life. Your whole subconscious. Most people as adults are operating from their subconscious, which means at best, most adults are operating as seven-year-olds at best it's true until they start to expand their level of consciousness and start to heal those aspects of themselves or or provide their um meet their own needs and, and expand you could say their healing they're operating at a very young age and that often shows up in a time of crisis or a time of uh, or within a relationship you could be the most empowering, solid individual in the world as an individual, then you get into a relationship and you could turn to a three-year-old like this. And it's, it's fascinating. It really is. But once you understand the whole human experience and that it's not just you and it's not just your, oh, they act like they're five years old or whatever it is. It's like, it's all of us. And we have to actually unravel the distortions that we've created to maintain love and connection and then once that's all unraveled have to learn how to love and meet the needs of that true self and the reality is most individuals as their true self have actually never fully been loved and that's the job of the individual is to understand who is my true self to love nurture expand that out into the world to express that and communicate that out into the world not just put on a front and then have that true self hidden behind and then wonder why you're never seen heard or understood so understanding those early years significantly impacted how i look at humans in general how i look at my own healing how i look at my own exploration still to this day i'm like seeing how these patterns are showing up in relation like oh my god still like i'm aware of it like how is it still showing up Um, But it's just having more understanding and awareness gives you an advantage to be able to um, bring light to those areas and transform and decide who do I, how do I want to show up? Do I want to show up as that three-year-old in my 30, 40, 50 year old relationship? Or do I actually want to grow up? Yeah, that's that. Did you want me to keep going? Yes. <laughs> I think I think we all need to grow up. Yeah. 
it's 100% true. And I will tell you, interestingly, um, I, I was having a conversation about this last night or yesterday during the day with someone. So I would love to continue into it because, you know, we're both adults and, you know, me and this person. And, um, you know, there's so much that, like you're saying, we all carry from childhood. And a, no parent, you know, I feel for parents who feel like they just want to protect their children so much and make sure they don't have any traumas because that is not the way it goes. Like, it's designed that way because we have a life journey to accomplish, you know. And um, one of the things, I'm going to segue into this, even though it wasn't at all in my plan. And maybe we don't have to spend too much time on it, but it's really interesting because something that was not on my radar for a very long time is narcissism or narcissistic tendencies, I prefer to call it, because I think um, that's more prevalent than actual narcissism. And, you know, in the sense of that, it really does come from this uh, lack during childhood and needing to fill that hole. Um, and yeah, it's just something that's kind of been really curious for me because it's 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 blown up so much, you know, in the soundbite social media sphere and the pathologizing everyone without credentials to actually, you know, do it. So I'm curious what if you have any thoughts on that from the childhood to adult perspective and then the healing and the growth from it potential. Perhaps I have a surprising perspective. I think everyone is a narcissist. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. Everyone is a narcissist. And I say that because it's a it's the perspective that everything is revolving around me. Yeah. And until and you might think, well, I think about my I, I don't think like that. It's like if you think if you're responding to me in that way, then you're, you're, <laughs> you're proving it, it right. Yeah. And actually um now there's there's um toxic narcissism um and i think that being everyone's a narcissist and and i think it's a bold statement but the reality is we are operating as the center of our own personal universe and and if we're not recognizing that it's not just about me that it's about we and that what, how everybody is is operating around me isn't just about me you know like for example you could you could be working in an office and you're walking down the hallway and you smile at a coworker that you see every day and they kind of, you know, blow you off a little bit. And you think, oh, you could leave thinking, oh, like, what did I do? Is, is she upset about something? Or is it from the meeting yesterday? It's because, and then all these thoughts completely revolved around you. When how do you know that that person, you know, didn't just get off a, a, a hard, difficult conversation, phone call? How do you know if that person is having digestive issues? How do you know if that person isn't exactly. thinking about um, a session that they're going into? Like, if you think like everyone's reaction and response is all about you, then that's narcissism. So this is a level of consciousness. Narcissism, narcissism, I believe, is a level of consciousness from like infant early stages where, you know, um, you know, like an infant, they look at their hands and they look at their feet and everything goes in their mouth. And, and they literally have the consciousness that every like caregiver is here for me. That's why this caregiver exists for me. So when caregiver leaves the room to go get food, the infant's not thinking, oh, they're leaving the room to get food. They're thinking caregiver's not here for me. When caregiver leaves to go to work, you know, that's to be able to build the house or whatever it is. They, they, that level of consciousness is not thinking, oh, the care, 
the caregiver went to work, the, the consciousness level is caregiver's not here for me. And if we don't go back to clean up that level of consciousness, we still continue to operate from that way of being, which essentially is narcissism. Now, people who get stuck in that level of consciousness, like whether it's through trauma or maybe perhaps significant um, distortions in relationships or, you know, a lack of healthy attachments, maybe they get stunted in that level of consciousness and they're always operating from that narcissistic perspective, always constantly. So we actually have to monitor how much are we operating from that space? And can we actually place ourselves in somebody else's shoes to look at it from their perspective? Or at the very least, the very least, just get a little curious to ask somebody what's going on for you in this situation or get curious about when your caregiver comes home and they don't say hi like they normally say hi and they, they go disappear in the house and then all of us you think what an asshole he is to me or what a jerk she is to me whatever it is it's all about you but what if you got curious to explore what's going on for that person is everything okay how was your day versus how was your day so you can ask me about mine and i can unload on you yeah. So what are your thoughts on narcissism? It's a big topic out there right now. It is a big topic out there right now. And I actually have people close to me who are like actively working through it. So it comes up in conversation a lot. Um, yeah, I find it really interesting. I agree with you that we all have, you know, my book really ultimately is about that. It's about how we are the sun and the, you know, we, a reality does revolve around us and kind of how to understand the layers of that to create in harmony. And I even realized it later that I'm actually kind of telling people about how to make everything revolve around themselves, which is not the intention. But, you know, at the same time, we are creator gods and things do revolve. So it's like finding a sweet spot of the selflessness and, you know, what where are we coming from in that creation? But, um, yeah, so ultimately I do agree that on some level we all behave that way you know and um, for me I've always seen it as that childhood wound like I can see the child expressing mm -hmm. in that sense of you know whatever the, that narcissistic tendency is if it's I mean it's generally needing attention or it's generally everything coming back to I I I you know me and um, yeah I think I, I do believe I mean I've seen and I know that there's ways to heal and shift like you're saying, those distortions, I just, it makes me a little sad that most people don't know that it's out there and they think it's useless. And they're like, oh, if you run into a narcissist, run the other way. Well, <laughs> you'll just keep running. You'll just, you'll just keep, keep running. running forever. Yeah, and there's also no compassion in that. There's no mm. understanding. There's no humanity in it. You know, like you're saying, we're all on a journey and we all have something. And unfortunately, I find that, you know, we're all looking for so much perfection in another person. We're looking for people to have done the work or like mm -hmm. get some level of the work that suits you, which is your narcissistic perspective that someone has to be where you need them to be because mm -hmm. you are incapable in that moment of showing up openly and fully with compassion and accepting someone where they are without being triggered yourself or without having to, um, without it making you feel some kind of way. You know, so on every level, we all have the healing to do. It's mm -hmm. not just the person we think has an issue. We all do. Mm -hmm. Until we can 
approach each other with that openness, with that love and caring and understanding, because that is what heals. Mm -hmm. We can be healing each other in all those small moments. Can you hear the thunder and lightning? I can, yeah. Okay. Um, I want to jump in because I do want to have, I do want to name that some people have had very abusive, toxic situations when it comes to narcissism. And so I don't want to downplay those experiences and be like, well, everybody should just deal with their relationships. That's not what I'm saying. Um, but what I am saying is that when you choose to be in relationship with someone, recognize that those traits will be there. But to what degree is someone willing to look at it and work on it with you? And I think that's the important piece. When somebody says that this is just who I am and this is just the way that it is and like there's no conversation around changing, that's the thing to run away from. You know, and if you're being treated, you know, in an, you're in an abusive relationship, you're being treated poorly, you're being, you're, you're, there's condescending, there's, there's emotional, physical, verbal abuse. Like you need to look at why you're making it okay to partner with someone in that way. Um, you know, I don't want, I know that the, the conversation around narcissism comes from a lot of painful experiences and a lot of uh, tragic relationships. So I don't want to be like, oh, everyone's a narcissist. And that's, you know, I don't want to downplay that. Um, but I do want to say that whether you decide to partner with someone, you could still have compassion. Um, and perhaps some people are a little bit more empathetic than others. Some people are more understanding than others. Some people are more willing to heal and grow than others. And so if you are going to partner with someone, uh, make sure that you're, you can journey with that person. Yeah, I, I just wanted to talk to that. Yeah. yeah, it's good. I'm glad you called that out. Cause I, again, I was, I'm kind of in the headspace of, you know, some specific people that I know who are actively working through it. So yeah, that is definitely 100 cases, well, 100 percent the case. You know, it's not always an okay situation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I've been thinking a lot about narcissism recently too. So it's funny that it came up. I have, it's amazing how many people I've been working with lately on uh, coming out of abusive relationships. And um, I think relationships give us an opportunity to look at a lot within ourselves. And it really comes down to self-worth and you tend to, we, we partner with the people that we believe we deserve. And so if you are in a toxic relationship, what part of you has made that okay? It's likely not a conscious part, you know, and perhaps it, there's, there, it's layered to these other aspects of um, distortions on what we think love is. And that's where I really think it all comes back down to those early years is like we create distortions to maintain that connection. We create masks. We create these, these um, patterns, belief systems that all need to be unraveled. And then to truly see yourself that you, to just be like, oh, I'm worth the love. I'm worth a healthy relationship. Like, do you embody that? Like, do you embody self-worth? Not self-confidence, it's different, but self-worth. Like, do you really truly see who you are? And if you don't, 
why would you expect that somebody else would if you haven't quite seen it in yourself yet? When you start to see it in yourself and express it outwardly, that's when you attract the relationship that meets you there. So if you're in a relationship that's toxic or you're in a relationship that's harmful, then like use that as an opportunity, like, okay, like to, to learn and grow for yourself versus that person needs to change or that person's the problem or that person, you know, needs to, to grow and do their healing. It's like, no, 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 you know, you don't have any control over that person or anybody, but you can take a moment to pit stop and, and check in with yourself around. Okay. Like what aspect of me would attract that? And how can I grow or heal that aspect? How can I become more aware of that aspect? So it doesn't lead me into another relationship that is attracted to that. So what do you think about how people can heal these subconscious layers of their self-identity? Well, there is a, the original question around what are some themes and at the end of the day, there's always some version of I am not enough. Always. And you might think, well, no, that's not true. No, like it always like get to a root of something. It's like, you know, whether you're not smart enough, you're not tall enough, you're not this, like it just, I'm not enough. And so if you can get to this space of rebuilding this relationship with yourself of understanding that you are divine and whole, that you are love, that you are peace and all these things that we, we look outside of ourselves to create that we, we it's already there it's just gotten like wrapped up with all the experiences of life and and wrapped up with all these belief systems and wrapped up with all these traumas and and, and healing is like peeling back those layers I think about um, there's that Buddhist story where there was a village with this huge gold Buddhist statue and the, the enemies were coming in for war. So they covered up the statue with mud and it became this huge hill. And then when the village was taken over, the people that took over the village thought it was just this huge hill. And over time, somebody was, was around the hill digging into it and there was, they found a piece of gold. And then they started digging more and more until they uncovered this huge gold Buddha. And I think like we all are that, that gold, that precious statue. And life is all that mud. And over time, we actually believe that we're just that mud. We believe that we're just that hill. And then we chisel away. Maybe maybe somebody chisels away and sees a part of our light and, we're, and they see us and like, oh, and then and then we believe that part. Or maybe we chisel away and we see a part of ourselves. That's where, and we're not even that little piece of gold that's shining through. We still have to uncover this whole mountain of who we truly are. And if we can fully embody that gold, which I would say is like our light self, our like embody love, and we operate from there, we would create an entirely different world. Because if you can see your own worth and you can see your own light, then you will automatically start to see that in others. And that's where the compassion comes in. That's where the patience comes in. That's where the understanding comes in for people who are still stuck in the mud. It's fascinating, you know, I think uh, I, I can say all this, but I can, I'll be transparent. Like I'm still working on chiseling away the mud, you know, and I, and I, and the difference is, is I know there's gold there. I don't believe the mud. 
I see when the mud has an influence. I'm like, damn, this mud still, you know, like, but, but I, I'm, I'm still, I'm committed to the journey of healing where I'm chiseling away and I'm excited to see what it looks like when that's fully embodied and that, and in the meantime, I'm still supporting other people like, Hey, it's just the mud, get, get the mud off, you know? And then as we all help and support each other and, and encourage each other on, on chiseling away out that mud, like eventually we'll just have this, the whole village will be gold. You know, this whole, this whole planet. That's the, that's the purpose of not getting lost in the sauce of, Oh, this planet is just filled with dirt and mud and crap and all the crap that's going on. It's like, no, don't get lost in that. But just keep chiseling away at, at finding that light and that gold. And, Oh man, I'm excited for those days. You know, I'm that's excited to see what the world looks like. Gold yeah and it's funny that it's a story a metaphor of gold because we value gold we, gold is worth something mm. you know do you value yourself do you see that you're worth something do you see that you're worth digging for and you are everybody who's listening to this is 100 percent. when you tell people this story do you find that they receive it, or have resistance to it? Is it hard for them to believe that they're worth something? Can I tell people the story about what? When you tell people the story and you explain this concept, do you find that it's easy or difficult for people to accept their worth? Oh, I've never even told this story. It just came through right now. <laughs> so you guys, let us know. When you, <laughs> leave a comment, let us know. How does this land for you? Are you like, yes, Yeah. gold under there? And you're like, so yeah, you're gold. Yeah, let us know because this, it's really easy to get lost in the mud and think that's who you are, you know, and to believe that. And what, like, okay, so this is all metaphor. Like, what does this really look like for people? You know, That's it's right. like, let's just translate this a little bit. It's like, okay, so what does that look like? It means that when you were growing up and you made a mistake and you believed that you weren't good at something, maybe you weren't good at dancing, maybe you weren't good at singing, maybe you weren't good at math, maybe you weren't good at art. You know, somebody made you believe that you weren't good at something. Oh, that's a little bit of mud. And then, you know, you, you feel like um, you need to be the one who's perfect or accomplished and be able to to really succeed in order to get love from your parents. Or maybe you feel like you need to be the one that makes all the jokes and gets everybody laughing in order to get love and connection. Or maybe you need to be sad and depressed and, and down in the, and as a victim in order to get love and connection. These are all distortions, all distortions. You don't need to need anything for love and connection because you are love. You are love. Why do you have to jump through hoops for that? But this all distortions it all got created from some earlier childhood experience, whether it's with your parent, with your sibling, with that teacher on the bus in the schoolyard, like you have to clean up all of it. And like, you don't, oh, I lost my camera. You don't need to necessarily, I'm getting a little excited over here. You don't need to necessarily, so I'm a registered psychotherapist, right? So like, I, I can say this. You don't need to sit down and talk about every single trauma and go through every single life experience and, and, and relive everything over and over again to bring healing to it. You don't need to do that. This is what you decide what you want in life and go after it. 
and obstacles are going to come up. Deal with your obstacles. Deal with your obstacles. And then the obstacle, why does this come up? Well, it's probably linked to something. Overcome the obstacles, overcome the challenges, don't give up. The ideas and dreams that come through you are coming through you for a reason. You know, the, the heart's desire for something, whether it's a relationship or it's a, a certain business or it's uh, you, you want to go on a trip somewhere, like for whatever reason, I feel dry. Follow those heart's desires. Move forward. And as things come up, the resistance, the struggle, the obstacles, the twists and the turns, face it. Face it. That's, that's uh, I mean... I just think that too many people spend too much time going backwards, thinking that sometimes you have to go backwards to go forwards. So, you know, you're driving forward. You do need to look in the rearview mirror to, to, to understand where you are. But if you only look in the rearview mirror, you're going to crash when you're moving forward. Yeah, so those are my thoughts. That brings me to, like, two things. What do you say for... People who do function like that, you know, they just move forward and they take on things and, you know, they're tackling things and they become strong and mentally, they have mental resilience and resilience in life, but in a way they're still just packing on top of what's really deep inside. Because, mm. you know, I think this is where the missing piece of spiritual essence comes in, the mm -hmm. energy comes in, you know, like there has also got to be changing the frequency of those things. And, you know, in the sense that this is what you and I both do for ourselves in our own healing and also offer, I also want to bring this into the conversation and not create the uh, perception that we're, you know, not talking about ways that we have actually used to deal with these things ourselves. No, I appreciate you saying that. I appreciate you bringing light to that because it's not just about moving forward. When I said face it, deal with it, I mean like as something comes up, it's going to show you where, where you need to look, where you need to heal. So like a perfect example of that would be um, a desire for love and connection, a loving relationship. Great. You attract a relationship. And everything's so great at the beginning, you know, the connection, the play, the fun, all you would hope anyway, everything's great at the beginning. But when something comes up within yourself, you feel triggered or you feel, you know, put off, like, look at that face that don't just plow through life and just oh, pretend nope, everything's fine. Everything's fine. That is not what I'm saying at all. You know, or you're going after um, a career or you're going after a goal. And then something comes up. Maybe you feel insecure. Maybe you're scared to make a move, or maybe you don't you don't know what to do. It's like face that. Go in. Bring bring light to that. Transmute that. That's what I mean by go forward and, and deal with what comes up. Not just plow through, pretend everything's fine, everything's good. Yep, I'm good. All the yep, yep, yep. Everything's good. Just going after my goals. Check, 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 check. You like, do you want to reach your goals and feel unfulfilled? That's that's like the ultimate hell where you've you've accomplished everything and you feel miserable. Right? Like that's probably like one of the worst failures you can get to, but to be embodying joy and love along the whole journey and to actually experience fulfillment, that's where these deeper layers of healing can occur. 
healing mentally, emotionally, spiritually, so that you can embody that gold self in everything that you do, that you can shine that light. And that when you put a smile on your face, that it's a genuine, real smile. You don't have to put on an act that you feel it from inside and it radiates out. People sense that people feel that, you know, my favorite is when people are like, everything's fine. <laughs> everything's fine. And you're like, everything is not fine. <laughs> everything is so not fine. I feel uncomfortable just sitting here as you say that, you know? So it's, it's being in alignment and authentic in that joy, not just, um, quick fixes, you know, not going after something, pretending there's nothing, nothing going on inside of you. I'm so happy you said that because I would not want to create that perception of just like, pick a goal and go. Like, no, 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 no. Well, I was thinking about, you know, a lot of people who do that, you know, that, that's a whole new, that's a whole industry. Yeah, for sure. You're right. You know, I will also go so far as to say, when I really look at these things, what I see is that we are facing an epidemic of people who have a God-sized hole mm. and are looking everywhere around to shift pieces within themselves without looking at how to fill that hole that's left by these distortions and these misconceptions and this disconnection from their true essence. Yeah. It's so true. Of religion, whether it's because, you know, all kinds of beliefs, all kinds of things at this point in time have really taken us out of that center of um, spiritual truth. And that's mm -hmm. also why it's very hard for people to come to that sense of self-worth and self-love because until we get to the place that we are loving the God in us and the true, you know, divinity that really flows through us, like that's who we truly are. And that's why there's nothing to fear. That's why there's nothing to be concerned about. Because at the root, we are that love. Mm -hmm. So... I was thinking about self-worth a lot and um, we lack self-worth by not understanding that we are that love, not understanding that, that God self. And, you know, in a lot of times we, we come across the teaching um, to be worthy of something is to be prepared. And when you think about the human experiences, experience in general, are we prepared? You know, and that's, that's why I love the path so much because it's like receiving the handbook to being human, to understand a language to the mind, the body, the soul, to understand a language to the energy structure, the energy system, to understand steps, to be able to better understand yourself and develop a relationship with yourself and with that God relationship. And then it's like, it's not, this is the only, it's like understanding that whatever that relationship is, like, is it God of oneness? Is it God the Father? Is it Mother? Is it angels? Is it a master of light? Is it Jesus, Buddha, Muhammad? Like whatever you want to build a relationship with, you can. And it's about expanding beyond yourself. You know, narcissism is under, you know, it's all about me, all about me, all about me. But like spiritual narcissism is recognizing that it's all about me by myself and there is no spiritual help. Not just there's nobody else here that I need to care about physically in the human form, but what about beyond that? That I'm alone? That it's all about me down here? It's like, no, 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 we're not alone. And whatever version you need to tap into, it's like, okay, you know what? Jesus is my bro. 
I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to connect to Jesus. Great. You know what? I really love Buddha and the, sto the stories and the, and the lessons of Buddha. I'm going to connect to Buddha. Great. You know, I love angels. I'm going to work with angels. Great. Great. Find you. something beyond yourself so that you can expand and have faith and support beyond this human experience. And that's the difference between having a spiritual path and a spiritual practice. You develop and evolve your spiritual practice along the spiritual path. But the path is like a structure that helps give you a language to this experience, helps prepare you along this journey to have that self-worth, that understanding of who you truly are. So then what? You can actually express that on the world and create something with this world, not just visit here but actually leave something behind that helps other people along the way too. Yeah. Interesting. Very interesting. I appreciate this conversation. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> I love the For those of you that don't know, Suyapa and I met years and years and years ago. I was uh, teaching Kundalini yoga at a retreat. Oh, yeah. You remember? And uh, we, we had met at one, it was the higher purpose project. And then we met at a second one. And at the second one, Siapa had just learned how to do life activations. And I don't, I, I, I really don't know. She probably told me what it was and I, I don't think I heard it. All I understood was that she had a new energy healing modality. And my version of it was, oh, I'll support my friend who has a new energy healing modality. No idea that it was a life activation. No idea how that was going to help me and impact me. And no idea that it was going to lead me to this incredible path. And here we are, here we are years later, almost 10 years later, yeah. not wild. We should have an anniversary celebration. We should have an anniversary. This is our an part of our anniversary. Oh, there you go, that's right. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, thank that's you. True. Thank you for pulling me out of the woods. You're welcome. And you know, part of it is kind of what we're talking about. Like I saw some gold, you know, mm. I remember thinking this girl oh man she really has something to offer she really wants to do something big in the world you know and you know you had an idea you had the good deeds project and i was like no it's so much bigger <laughs> mm. so i just you know did my ninja thing and made sure that i'm grateful that you were able to receive and that it was life-changing because then laura even starts to move faster on the path of me which i thought was really great because then i had someone who I loved and trusted, you know, when I needed to move forward to call and help. So, you know, I think it's great. We're all literally walking each other home. Yes. Yes. It's beautiful. Yeah. The Good Deeds Project was my personal mission towards world peace. So I'm not surprised that it led me to a path and a mission of world peace. Yeah, that's what it's all about. Well, thank you so much you guys okay this is a really 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 rich conversation i hope that you got a lot out of it and can maybe see and have some inspiration and desire to move past your own distortions and to find the gold within yourself that is living under the mud of conditioning and years and years of life and all the things that we go through because you are so special you are so worthy you are the essence of love period but mm -hmm. nobody tell you anything different there is no difference thing to believe this is the truth you are love and we love you and we are rooting for you and mm -hmm. want nothing but that so uh, i'll post some info about where you can reach laura you know that you can always reach me 
And I hope that you enjoy this episode, that you like and subscribe and leave us some comments if you have questions about anything and we'll try and get back to you. And until next time, be well and explore your being. Thanks again. Don't leave.